Hello, welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? Jeff, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year, sir. You've missed the last couple episodes, so it's good to have you back in the co-host chair. It's good to be back. You have a, a good holiday? I did. How was yours? Mine was good. Although, I should say I was sick like all Christmas week, which sucked. But outside of that, it was nice to disconnect from work for a bit. Yeah, being out, I've had, uh, unfortunately, December was just sick sick babies. Mm. Uh, they kept giving it back and forth to each other. Awesome. A few days in the hospital. Not an enjoyable month, but Christmas and New Year's came around well. And uh, uh, everybody's healthy start. and happy today. That's good. That's what matters. <laughs> so fresh start to 2020. That's it. So I hope all of our listeners had a, uh, a great holiday season, recharged a bit, and got ready for the clusterfuck that is going to be 2020. It's going to be a very long, long year if this first week is any indication. Yeah, I think we got like, what, three days in before I tweeted, uh, let's go back to 2019? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good on this fresh outlook. Uh, we'll, we'll get to everything that's been going on in the world in the first week of 2020. But before we do, we've got a brand new beer to try out. And this week we have the unofficial beer sponsor from Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois. It's a uh, New England IPA, very hazy, uh, orangey gold pour to it. Like this looks like it was really just fresh off the bottom of the the barrel here. Yeah. How uh, hazy and opaque this is. Super hazy. Um, but the smells really pleasant to this. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's grassy the citrusy uh, smell that you expect uh yeah yeah and the smell's got a little uh grapefruit and pineapple to it as well maybe even some peach i don't know this is the first time i can smell in like two weeks <laughs> the after the aftertaste stays with you like eating a grapefruit you know you eat grapefruit yeah, yep. and you got that kind of a little bit of a bitterness on the back of your tongue for a while. Yeah. It sits there. I, I like it, though. Um, it's 6.5% alcohol by volume, so little on the lower side for a New England IPA. But it really packs a lot of flavor, I think. It's got all the, the normal tropical flavors that you'd expect from a beer of this style. But it's also it's kind of creamy and a little bit of spice to it. Uh, you mentioned the grapefruit taste that kind of sticks the, with you. The better is there. It stays yeah. right there. But it's, it's not overly bitter at all. No, no, I no. think it strikes like a perfect balance. Yeah. This is I'm glad we're starting the year off with this beer. Good um, beer. Really enjoy this. You know, I, I picked this out because of the can design, because I thought it really represented... Uh, what a clusterfuck. Yeah. I <laughs> thought this was a oh, representative of 2020 in a nutshell so far. It is just random colors and lines it's it's a mess and words don't make sense there's strike throughs yeah it's it looks like one of those uh magic eye pictures that you like hold real close to your face and then you see something pop out we'll post a picture of this can it is it's the fist the official beer of an acid trip <laughs> yeah it is strange <laughs> and uh it's it's a wild design uh but it caught my eye on the shelf it really stood out from everything else so mission matters, accomplished right? for them right yep uh got me to purchase it and uh, this might be the, the poster can for 2020 so far. So that is the unofficial beer sponsor. We'll, put, we'll throw a pick up on the Instagram yeah. of this can. because we'll, Yeah, we'll call this our unofficial beer sponsor as well for the show nice. uh, out of the Pipeworks Brewing Company of Chicago. Shout out Chicago. Yeah, they have tons of good breweries. Great city. Oh, man. Love that this city. This time of year, a little cold. Yeah, I don't think I'd go during the winter at all. But, man, spring, fall, Lake Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I think I talked... 
touched on this in a previous episode, but I was out there with my wife uh, over the 4th of July uh, great, week. Great city, man. And, you know, it was, it was beautiful out. We had perfect weather that week. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, it's awesome now. Don't come in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Parking sucks, too. But, but, yeah. If you're ever in Chicago, check out the uh, Pipeworks Brewing Company. If this beer is any indication, they make some real good stuff. All right. So, that's our beer. <laughs> Now We're we glad gotta, we can enjoy it freely without yeah. uh gotta dive into this this mess of a of a new year so far. I guess we have to start with uh the elephant in the room and that's the US versus Iran, right? Lots been going on. It was uh three days into the new year and I see a, n- a notification from Twitter that uh Donald Trump ordered the assassination of um, a man named Soleimani, who is or was Iran's uh, top military official, essentially. He's almost like the number two in the country. And super, super popular there. Super popular. Found out. Uh, So Donald Trump ordered his assassination. He was taken out in a strike in Iraq, not Iran, but over at Iraq's international airport. Super interesting. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that and the implications of doing this in, you know, a, a third party country there. This is a big deal. Like, this is the equivalent of Iran, like, assassinating our Secretary of Defense. Or even our Vice President. And just being like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. He was a a bad guy anyway. Taking out Pence. Yeah. Um, I think it's been said a lot, and I think it needs to be, you know, put out there again. No one's shedding tears over this guy's death, per se. No. A lot of blood on his hands. Um, I do think we're going to get into it, but... There's a lot of stories coming out now that he may have been on a little bit of a tour to de-escalate um, in the region. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, could be rhetoric against the president, which there's that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, a lot of blood in this guy's hands. Um, was kind of a shadowy figure that took a lot of lives of not only American soldiers but uh, soldiers in that region. So, um, yeah, and the official line from Washington is that this was a preemptive attack to prevent an, an attack that they said was imminent, that he was actively plotting something. Now, whether or not that's true, we don't know because we can't trust anything this administration says. Can I ask you about that before we get into it? And this is kind of the biggest thing I took away from it. So the big story that came out immediately was, and whether this was our just trying to they they said they presented Trump with a list of options right and this right. being one of them and the story that came out and who knows if it's true um was that they put this option in to make the other options seem more feasible right this is the extreme option right can i ask you a question though just drawing a a to b parallel if there was an imminent threat why would there be other options Right, and why would this be the most extreme option of yeah. them all? That's kind of where the story kind of falls apart for it me. It really does. Um, I've had, and I'm sure you were going to get, but I've had real trouble with that one because I'm just like, all right, fine, that's stupid. <laughs> but, you know, if there was an imminent threat, first of all, you wouldn't give seven options if there's an imminent threat, mm-hmm. right? Unless there were seven ways to de-escalate or to fix the problem. But if he was the absolute problem, there wouldn't be another option. Yeah, it just doesn't hold up under, like, the most base level okay. of scrutiny here. Yeah, And... All right, so I don't want us to get to a point in our country where we demand that every single strike on a terrorist leader has public pr- 
proven intelligence because I don't want to get to a point where we're like demanding that spies get burned and we're revealing sources correct and things like that but with that said this is where you really need to have your credibility at a high level correct and Donald Trump and his administration does not have that he hasn't earned the respect of that right and so that's why people are questioning this that's why I'm questioning it I don't want to question. I want to believe when they say, yes, we had to do this. We had no choice. Right. We wish we had an alternative. This was it. But they've given no indication that that's the case and no reason for us to trust them in the past. And even if it was, say it is the case, when we've had these situations in the past, bin Laden, whatever, immediately Obama was out in front. Um, even the Iraq war bullshit they were really out in front. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, speeches that came on. They were in front of the cameras mm -hmm. telling us why this was an imminent threat, why we had to do it. And even though it ended up turning out to be bullshit in Iraq's case, but it, they were out in front of it. We heard nothing. Like, all we got was a tweet of an American flag. Yeah, we get, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, the petty child that Donald Trump is. So you don't, first of all, he hasn't built the reputation that we should trust it. Second of all, Knowing that, them being out in front of it seems like it'd be the most important thing, right? To come out and be... Everybody always gives him all this credit for being presidential and the times he's done it um, during the State of the Union addresses, right? Right. Tonight, Trump became president. Right, because he was able to be He had the biggest opportunity right here, right? Yeah. Come out, be like, we took this guy out, imminent threat. We can't give the details because classified, but we saved a lot of American lives or lives of our allies. Uh, nothing. We got radio silence. Right. He didn't speak about it. He, like you say, he tweeted a picture of the American flag, a low resolution version of it at that. It Wild. Like awful. the worst GIF image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, any other administration would have a press conference immediately to say, this is developing. This is what's going on. Uh, this is, again, another spot where this administration is in so much chaos and they just don't know what they're doing. We don't even have a press secretary that was able to get out in front of this. Um, because we don't even have anybody in the defense that would be able to talk about this anymore. No. His administration's bare bones at this point in yeah. terms of people that are advising or helping with these That's things. That's the thing. Like we, in a situation like this, which is very serious, this could lead, and I saw a lot of hyperbole. It already people did being lead like, to This is World War Three. No. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It could have. But it could it have can. certainly led to another Iraq-style mess, a never-ending war, or a continuation of another never-ending war. Well, I mean, we just had missiles shot right at us. Um, right, yeah. So let's talk about the, the retaliation. The payload, blah, blah, blah. Uh, obviously, no one died uh, yeah. from what we understand so far. And I think this was really a slap boxing match. Yeah, Iran responded last night. Um, that was Tuesday night by way firing a bunch of ballistic missiles at a U.S. base in Iraq. And all indications are that they took their time setting these missiles up. They told us. They told the Iraqis first, probably assuming they tell the Americans so that they could fire this as a show of force. So you know their people say, okay, they did something, right? While not further escalating the situation. And it turns out that, you know, no one was injured. There was minimal damage to the base. Iran kind of sent their message saying, like, all right, you punch us, we'll punch back. But we don't want to take this further. And they actually came out. The president of Iran, um, their government tweeted out that their problem is not with the American people. Their problem is with the American president. Yeah, the second um, leader there actually 
tweeted out a Forbes list article with all of the Trump properties. That was an interesting troll job. Yeah. Um, and then the Iran leader, I think today or yesterday, tweeted out a low-resolution Iran flag. Yeah, Iranian flag just to um, kind of mock Trump's uh, American and guess flag what? post. Fuck 2020. This is what we're doing. Like, you got legitimate thoughts of a world war, and our the leader of that country and this country are just like, Giffing each other back and forth, like where are we? It's so stupid. It really makes me miss Obama. <sighs> yeah, we just went, because say yeah. we had to say we had to take him out. Say all of this plays out the exact same way with Obama, and he takes him out in the same spot, same situation. Like the aftermath would be just so much different, so much just professionally handled. Um, if you work in any kind of a corporate culture, like. Just sometimes the professional way of going about things is what matters the most. There wouldn't be any tweets of American flags. Like, no. Just wouldn't. Like, you're would just looking be... for leadership, and you're not going to yeah. get this out of this administration. Yeah, it's disgusting. And frankly, like, I don't agree with this strike at all. If you're going to make the argument that he was a dangerous man that has blood on his hands, well, yeah, so is you know Vladimir Putin. So is uh, Kim Jong-un. Like, where are we drawing the line now on this? Because I look back at this, it's akin to saying... You know, back in the Iraq days, like Saddam Hussein had to be taken out. Right. And Why? are we safer because Saddam Hussein was taken out? I don't think so. We still haven't taken over the entire country. So like, um, and, and my biggest question is, you know, like you just said, why take him out? And I get everything I've read about this guy, bad guy. Right. Um, but the thing that bothers me the most is that, again, I don't know what allies we even have anymore, but they weren't included in this. And guess what? They're going to be included if like, cause now Iran came back after and said, we might go after Dubai. Um, right. All of a sudden they're in some shit. They were like, yeah, we what? didn't ask for this. <laughs> Thanks a lot, America. Yeah. Like, why are we included right now? And I think uh, that's like, if I'm Iran, that's what I do. Right. Because if you know that you won't survive like a prolonged conflict. Right. It would be a bloody mess. We would, but in the we end, we would knock them off the map. Right, wouldn't matter. And they don't have. It a might new, take years, but matter. it would be you know a, a losing battle for them. The best way to kind of even allies. the playing field a bit is to alienate America from their allies. Yep, piss and, everybody yeah. off. Like, why are we getting attacked? Right. Yeah. It really paints America as the aggressor and the bad guy in this situation, which we were. Yeah, and we are. We didn't have to do this. I think a lot of the bullshit coming out from the GOP, you know, it's so funny now we see Rubio, everybody coming out like, look, Iran's trying to turn us against each other. We got to we got to come together as a country and fight this back. And it's like, no, we were wrong here, which doesn't make us Iran supporters. We're right. going back on the Iran Contra deal and being like, they were right. We were wrong. I mean, we're just saying right now, like, show us proof that this attack was supposed to happen. Like, right. Show us why. You know, it's done now. Obviously, nothing's happening. You don't have to declassify everything, but you can show us some of the intelligence. Um, or you can at least have some people come out besides Trump and say, we're about to be attacked. Right. Um, and, uh, but the thing is, like, everyone around him that he surrounded himself with are habitual liars, too. Because Mike Pompeo did come out and say, you know, this was imminent. But do we trust anything he says either? But the, I, th I really believe if they shared it with the people in the Democratic Party... Because we've seen them give in when it's supposed to happen. If we shared the intelligence but said you can't talk about it, I do believe Chuck Schumer or Pelosi would come out and say, hey, well, listen, we saw the intelligence. Yes, this had to happen. And it's not a win for Trump, but it's just showing us like, hey, and it would be a win for Trump, but fuck it. I do believe that 
they would do the right thing if called upon because they have. Well, Adam Schiff says he saw evidence and said that he did not think it called for right, these right. actions. So you agree, though, they would come out and back this if it because yes, I don't think they they would come this out is just a, to spite. This isn't across yeah. the across the aisle shit. Right. Like we, if this was legitimate and the evidence you know backed it up, I think Democrats would even if they just saw the classified, they can't get further into right into the details. They would come out at least and say yes, this was the right move. And yeah, I don't think the spitefulness goes to that. Right. Level of petty. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> the right thing to do. So why do you think he did it? Do you think it's a distraction? Just to look big. And now yeah. he's backing off. Because is- he likes doing these things. He did this in Syria, too, where he launched all those missiles at that air base. Yep. And you know, we kind of did what Iraq, Iran did. Uh, we fired missiles at a base knowing that there weren't going to be people there, so we'd avoid casualties. We were really just sending a message. And listen, thank God for that. Thank God, other than, I mean, it's, listen, that guy, again, I'm not shedding any tears for him, but we're not talking about civilian casualties right now. We're not talking about American casualties, so good. Yeah, I just Uh, think it's mind-boggling that I have to think in my head, thank God the Iranian leadership had cool heads in this situation. No, we have more trust in them right now than we do our president. Yeah, because I had no idea what he would do next. Yeah, I mean, I said yesterday, and I turned out wrong. I said, you know, we had a, a text thread going, and our friend Dennis was like, all right, we're, we're good. And I said, no, there's no easy for Trump here. He's got to win. Like, this guy wants to win, even though he's got an entire history of not winning bankruptcies, everything going wrong. Yeah. I didn't think he would walk away from this the way that he did. And thank God, because I, I didn't want to see a pissing contest um, yeah. with him involved, because who knows the limit to it. But I, two things happen that show that Trump is a coward in terms of not just as a person, but like he talks all this crap. And when he got pushed on the hitting cultural sites, he doubled down once. And then well, came, yeah, yeah hold on. let's let's fill everyone in on that sorry. first, because, okay. yeah. So after we you know assassinated Soleimani here, where everyone's wondering, what is Iran going to do to retaliate? Because they promised retaliation. But they uh, promised retaliation against Trump, Pompeo, right. Pence. And Trump came out and said, well, we've got um, all these cultural sites targeted, 52 cultural sites targeted that we will attack, which is a war crime by UN standards to attack sites of historical or cultural and nature. And it's a Nazi Purposely move. for that. It's a legitimate yeah. Nazi move. Right. And yeah, so he, and he doubled down on it a few times. And then, everyone kept, and then he backed off. Yeah. But when they're like, hey, off. you know that's illegal, right? And he's like, well, I want to do what's legal. I don't I want to break like the to do law, what's legal. which is wild. Yeah, <laughs> coming from you. Um, <laughs> and then said if there was a response by them, that basically hell hath no theory, like the Americans, what our response is going to be. And they responded. They attacked one of our bases directly. And now we're going to sanction them. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Sanctions are the right move if you're going to do anything. Like, nobody wants another war here. Right. And the thing was to sanction them before we went and murdered somebody saying, hey, if you don't put this guy out of power, we are going to sanction the shit out of you. Or, you know, just not even put ourselves in this situation to begin with by, you know, upholding deals you had made with that country in the past. <laughs> yeah, Iran deal, yeah. right? The nuclear deal. Ugh. And this will strange. not, like, so to, to put a bow on it, we're not getting World War Three, uh, at least not yet. Uh, do you think it's on the? 
No, I don't think World War III is on the horizon. I very much doubt that this is the last we're going to see of retaliation from Iran. Uh, they have so many proxy groups that hate America, that have ties to Iran, that can go on their own and attack you know, U.S. interests or allied interests across the globe, and they'll say it's revenge for this killing. Uh, well, and then Iran thing, can right? wipe their hands of it and say, look, that wasn't a state-sanctioned attack. That was a terrorist attack. Well, the scary thing is, right, we sent a fake accidental email that we were pulling out of Iraq. Right. Uh, and the thing, the scary thing is ISIS, right? And we start taking away our support from these areas where we've battened down these strongholds, and those groups get stronger again. They get to start recruiting yeah. again. They get to start. Wasn't it Donald Trump that was blaming Obama for pulling it out of Iraq and creating the power vacuum that created ISIS? Yeah. Guess what this is going to do? Because now that we Iraq got wants us the Iraq, fuck out yeah. now. They were like, they it, feel like they were using a pawn for this thousand percent. And they were used as pawns in it. And yeah. what's really fucked up, and I do want to touch on here, is how many people I saw celebrating news yesterday as it was trickling in saying, look, this Iran fired a bunch of missiles. No U.S. casualties, only Iraqi. I'm like, well, wait, hold Why on. Is that good? The Iraqis are our fucking allies there. You should be just as upset that the Iraqis got killed or injured. Now, thankfully, that report was proven false, and there were no casualties on any side. But it was really fucking gross that there was people, Democrats too, like liberal people I follow, who are like, oh, well, no Americans were hurt, so who cares? No. This is the problem. This is why people in the Middle East fucking hate us. Yep. Is because we only care about ourselves. And then, like you just said, like the Iraqis are just viewed as pawns in this. And that's an awful way to do business. And it's, that's not a way to run Middle Eastern policy. You know, the bigger thing for me through all of this is the unchecked power of the president. We learn checks and balances in government, and it's all bullshit. We literally have an impeached president sitting in the Situation Room authorizing assassinations without congressional approval. Yeah, like, that's a huge What problem. does impeachment mean? You know, you would think at the minimum, if a president, I hope in the future somebody figures this out, if you're under impeachment, maybe hasn't got to the Senate yet, your power should be checked, even to a bigger extent than they should be already, because there are three different branches of government that are supposed to check each other. Obviously, that's not happening. Um, war powers in the Constitution rest with Congress. We're not at war. And I've got to <laughs> say, well, yeah, the ability to authorize strikes like this, you can make the argument, is also a congressional deal there. And, you know, I'll, I'll knock Obama for this, too, who greatly expanded the use of, like, unilateral 100%. executive yeah. level drone, drone strikes. strikes. His shit. And this is, that's exactly what Donald Trump followed up on. It's, it was fucked up when Obama did it. It's fucked up now. Uh, the president should not be allowed to do this kind of just willy-nilly attack without it, informing Congress and getting approval from Congress. Um, the fact that this guy still has nuclear codes and has the ability to authorize these strikes should really be questioned. Yeah. I think if you're under any kind of impeachment or inquiry, I think those powers should be stripped immediately. Like... At least you have to, maybe not stripped, but at least put an extra level of... Yeah, I think there should be an extra check on it at Correct, least. right? Yeah. yeah. 
And, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi in the House, they are bringing, you know, a war powers type resolution to a vote. But again, without the Senate. Who want? No one wants this war. No. Other than the people that make weapons, because you right. saw the stocks go up like f- crazy. Yeah, you saw that, right? Yeah. So uh, three days before this attack, the stocks of Lockheed Martin went up 3%. And it just. Well, reeks of insider trading. Our president was sitting down there in in Mar-a-Lago, New Year's saying, Eve. Hey just guys, like, listen, yeah. something big's happening with Iran. Trust me, he said. Trust me, the biggest thing we've ever seen, big, big in Iran. Well, and yeah. I mean, what would you do? You would run to fucking Lockheed yeah, Martin. Yeah, it's like, conspiratorial, but I, I, I wish I fully believe. I would that take 4%. something like that happened. <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, wrap this up, there's just the last thing I want to. Um, leave with you all is if you want some good Iraqi perspective on this whole situation and just Middle Eastern affairs in general, there is a great Twitter follow. Her name is uh, uh, Rasha Al-Akidi and her Twitter handle is her name. It's uh, R-A-S-H-A-A-L-A-Q-E-E-D-I. I'll also put that in the footnotes on our website, uh, drinkingliberallypod.com. But she's a great follow to get uh, information and perspective from the Iraqi point of view. Uh, she could be very critical of U.S. moves and U.S. policy. And sometimes, even if you don't agree with it, it's very refreshing to see and just kind of get a you know, more holistic picture of how we're viewed around the world. So, Kevin, um, as we go through this, how do you think this affects the 2020 race right now? Do you think that... The people in the in the race for this, the ones that are left, that have a serious chance. Need to be addressing this. They need to stay on topic. I think most of them already came out with statements that I think are fine. Um, they pretty much the entire Democratic field landed on some version of you know Donald Trump's Mid East policy is a disaster. We shouldn't just be assassinating people like this. Yeah. Uh, I could do without, I think uh, Bernie and Warren both kind of prefaced their statements with the whole, well, he was a bad guy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, no, just stop. You know, like, I don't like them softening it like that. Just I think like, everybody came at it that way. Um, surprise to no one. I really liked what Pete did on MSNBC. Um, I think he led with the fact that Trump should not get applause for this. We don't know any more of the details. He did say no one should shed a tear over this. Um, I think they've all said that. Yeah. But I think the danger is, like you just said, I think everybody's leading with that. Like, yeah. And again, this guy, again, no one should shed a tear over this. <laughs> a lot of blood on the hands here. It's um, so strange to me because, you know, you asked earlier and you kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, some people might think this is just a distraction. Like Donald Trump did this on purpose to distract from impeachment. And... I really wonder you know how why this that, would affect his re-election campaign. Well, like, you know yeah. why that came up, right? Um, it got it was viral. Um, Trump said in I think twelve that Obama right. would start a war with Iran to get re-elected. Right, always a tweet. Yeah, always a saying. But it was literally him talking. He's like, he can't do foreign policy. He'll start a war to get re-elected. And listen. Regardless of what you think about it, it's worked. Um, our next topic, we want to talk about impeachment, right? Guess what's not being talked about at all? It's gone. Like it's, yeah. You turn on any of these channels, 
um, you know, it came from the power move that we have by Pelosi to vaporized. Like it's not, and for good reason, we might have started World War III for like 24 hours. Um, I wonder though whether he was better off just focusing on impeachment because like, I think that's a stronger case. I don't think America has the stomach for a war, Democrat or Republican voters or independents. I don't think they have the stomach for war. And I think if this had gone, say, a worse way, and who knows, still could, but I don't think that helps him get reelected. I think people will blame him for it. I think he had a better shot of just, and this is all assuming that this is done purposely as a distraction. Uh, So going down that hypothetical road, I think he would have had a better shot at re-election focusing just on impeachment and just keep hammering away at that because the longer it kind of hangs out there, I feel like he and the Republicans have been good at messaging to their people that this needs to uh, you know, go away and it's a sham, et cetera, et cetera. As ridiculous as the argument is, uh, the more you say it, you know, the more people will start to believe it. Well, a couple of things have changed in that, right? Um was it Bolton now who said he would testify? Yeah, which, he said he'd comply with a subpoena. Which so he's kind, not volunteering. Which kind of threw a wrench, I think, into the plans of Trump. Yeah. Because um, I didn't think they thought he would do that. He did specify a Senate subpoena, though. Yeah. So my, He won't go in front of the House. But yeah. we're past that, right? And we're not doing this. I mean, the House so. could very well subpoena him. It doesn't have to be part of the right, articles of impeachment. It could be completely separate uh, interview. And... I don't know. The fact that he specified in his statement that he would comply with a Senate subpoena makes me think that he has some kind of assurance from the Senate or Mitch McConnell that they won't subpoena him. Or there's a pardon coming. Uh, And who knows if he can even be pardoned for some of the stuff. Well, we don't know. We need to find out what he knows. That's the important thing. And the other thing is I do remember, it keeps coming to my head, back when we first started um, drinking liberally, we were talking about war, and I think you had made the point, or maybe it was Yogg's, that we have not changed presidents during war ever. Like, we have not, you know, made the election decision to take a president out of that role during a war situation in the history of our country, um, which I think makes sense, right? I mean, you're not going to change leadership when we're in the midst of a, of a war. This one I would. <laughs> yeah, no, immediately. Um, you know, so, th- I mean, that all rings in there. I think if if you're conspiracy theorizing it and you want to change the conversation, this changes the conversation. Um, we're not talking about any of the other bullshit Trump's done. We're talking about this. Now, the thing is, I don't think he thought this would come back to look as bad on him as it did. I think he would have, he felt in his fucking pea brain that there would be so much support because this guy's got so much blood on his hands. Mm -hmm. I don't think he thought that everybody would be like, whoa, (laughs) you know, cool, dead, not the way we handle it. And me and you read a thread. We're not going to get into it because it might not be true. But the way that it happened, where it happened, and what was happening is pretty fucking shady. Um, It didn't happen in Iran, uh, which is weird. Um, so I think there's a lot more to this that he didn't comprehend that might happen. And I think that's why he's been backing off a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think he ever fully comprehends the scenario and the implications of his actions. Like he never has his entire life. Why is he going to start now? Right. Uh, unfortunately, now he's the most powerful man on the planet. 
So that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So impeachment has been on the back burner. Um, But I I did want to say, because we had talked about this probably one of our last episodes before the holidays, uh, about the idea of holding articles of impeachment. And that hadn't been officially announced at that time when we recorded. But, you know, that's what the House decided to do under Nancy Pelosi is not move the articles to the Senate. Salute. uh, Because, you know, we already know the outcome in the Senate. Mitch McConnell already committed to ending it as fast as possible. And And she's holding it for a fair trial. Yeah, and I think it's the 100% the right move. And what we've seen is a lot of extra information come out. Like you just, uh, Jeff, you mentioned how Bolton might be open to testifying now. Uh, more importantly, we now have documents where Donald Trump himself is ordering the hold on the Ukrainian aid. Yep. And we also now know that the hold on that Ukrainian aid came like an hour after his phone call with the president of the Ukraine. So the timelines all match up with everything we heard in the, you know, the impeachment inquiry, all those, the witnesses that were there. Now more and more documents are coming out to back this up and say, yes, this is true. So I think holding off on it until we can get a fair Senate trial where we're able to call witnesses um, is the right move. And the Republican argument that uh, they're now they're going back on like, well, why does the House, why do Democrats want witnesses now? If they were so important, why didn't they call them during the House portion of it? we didn't want this to go 40 years. Well, that's part of it, <laughs> is that time is of the essence. Um, two, the White House was stonewalling them on these witnesses anyway. All the way back to the fucking Mueller report. Right. So we, we, knew so the, we knew the game. There was no hope in getting them to testify. And then... On top of that, they pretend like that's such an unusual thing to bring new evidence into the Senate trial. I was like, well, the well, Senate that's Marco is a Rubio. trial. What a dope. And look, Richard Nixon was going to be impeached. And when they did the, you know, the initial investigation, it wasn't until after the fact they found a witness that was like, oh, yeah, there's tapes. Right. Like he records everything. And they're like, wait, what? No. And that's the thread that unraveled his whole presidency. And it's that came after the fact. I, I This should be an ever-evolving situation. Like, time and, didn't freeze. The evidence didn't freeze. It's still out there. We haven't gotten our hands on most of the evidence because, again, the White House has stonewalled investigators right. the whole way. And I don't mind how long this takes because any of you out there, myself included, that's ever tried to cover up a lie... <laughs> um, the cover-up, you keep digging dirt on yourself. Like, right. The cover-up is lot, worse than the crime a lot of times. Yeah. 100%. Like, sometimes you got to then do another bullshit thing just to cover up the bullshit thing you did before. And that's 100% apparent in this situation. And it's going to keep happening. Like, yeah. it's this is not going away. In fact, the longer it takes, I, I believe, the worse it gets. Absolutely. I mean, that's Watergate in a nutshell. Yeah. Like the initial break in to the, uh, you know, the Democratic might offices. A, might have been just what it was. Probably could have swept it under the rug if they just said, yes, this happened. And, you know, someone's going to get a slap on the wrist for this. But the whole fact they tried to cover it up and then there were tapes and then they edited the tapes cover to try and cover it up further. Crime, that, that's, you know, you pull that thread and it all just comes apart. Yeah. I think that's what I can't wait to watch here. it all come apart. Yeah. Let's just hope it's before November. Can't wait to listen to the uh, the episodes of Slow Burn about <laughs> about this impeachment. <laughs> Check that podcast out if you have any interest in uh, the former impeachments. 
uh, that have taken place in this country over Nixon and Clinton. Excellent episodes, uh, the Slow Burn podcast. But yeah, so that's been on the back burner, but let's remember that it's more is still coming out about this all the time. It I might get swallowed up by Iran news, but the impeachment inquiry is still hanging heavy over Trump's head. I think everybody's got to be quiet about it right now. I think if Pelosi comes out and says something else during this time, she looks like an asshole. Um, I do. I'm surprised that the Republicans aren't going harder than they are. Rubio came out to say, Iran's trying to turn us all against each other. We got to be together. Fuck the impeachment. Um, I'm surprised there's not more of that mm-hmm. from their side. Like, hey, let's put this down. Um, which makes me think that there's probably more Republicans leaning a little away from this than we think. Because I would feel like this would be the time for them to all to come together and be like, war, fuck Iran, let's all get together. Yeah, everyone unite under the flag together. Yeah, but they're not because um, no one wants to talk right now. Um, the only time Republicans speak at this point is if they're given their resignation um, for this year or next. Yeah, we've uh, seen a lot of them, huh? Yeah, um, which is, you know, salute, keep, her, keep retiring. But no, I really believe that this will get back on the front burner probably in the next, I mean, as long as there's no more missile attacks. Right, yeah. If this is weeks. truly de-escalated, I think this will be big news again. Yeah, speaking of people that should retire in the Republican Party. Wait, can I guess? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Mitch McConnell. Oh, he's he's probably top of my list, but... <laughs> Donald Trump. He's also top of the list, but not where this story is going. Mitt Romney. <laughs> there was a, a really good tweet from one of the pod save guys because everyone's like, oh, well, Mitt Romney's got issues with this. And then it was like, no, don't hold Fuck your that breath. Guy. Like, don't hold your breath waiting on Mitt Romney to do anything. We really no. thought he might have challenged Trump as a primary. No. dick. Just hoping. All right. Who do you got? We're going to, this will be our fake news of the week. And we're talking about representative from Arizona, Paul Gosar. This fucking guy. It, this guy is oh. a disaster. Okay, so our fake news is going to revolve around a tweet, as it often does. Paul decided to tweet a picture of Barack Obama shaking hands with the Iranian president, uh, Rouhani. And there's a caption on this photo that says, The world is a better place without these guys in power. Kind of a, you know, it's a strong stance to be taking. Few problems with this. The picture is very obviously photoshopped. Uh, if you've seen it online, take a look at Barack Obama's hand. There's a uh, a white thumb sticking out the top of his hand, where they clearly just overlaid a layer of Barack Obama on top of the previous person. It's the worst Photoshop job I've seen in a while. So besides that fact, there's the fact that Obama never met Rouhani in person, ever. <laughs> They never met, so there's no opportunity for this photo to have taken place. The quote, another issue with it. World is a better place without these guys in power. Barack Obama obviously served his two terms, no longer president. Rouhani's still in power. He's still president of Iran. Right. He's still there. So that's a little ridiculous. And when people called bullshit on all these facts, Gosar doubled down on it and responded this to a reporter. He said, quote, to the dim-witted reporters, no one said this wasn't photoshopped. No one said the president of Iran was dead. No one said Obama met with Rouhani in person. The tweet says the world is a better place without either of them in power, end quote. So he just doubles down on the idiocy of it, saying, well, I didn't say I wasn't lying. 
this this guy sucks. He's a habitual liar. He posts all these kind of inflammatory things on Twitter. Uh, man, even this guy's family hates him. Six of his siblings filmed a commercial, and we'll link to this commercial. A commercial advising people not to vote for their brother. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, problem is, he is a representative in a heavily gerrymandered district. So that's why he has a position right now. Otherwise, if it was a fair map, no chance in hell would this guy be serving in our, in our Congress. So that's our fake news of the week, courtesy of Representative Gosar from Arizona. That guy's the worst. He's terrible. All right, Jeff. So in the spirit of New Year's. Yes. I want to ask if you have any, uh, any resolutions for this year. I really wanted to, um, this is from producer Yogs and I thought it was genius, um, to stop listening to Trump speak live, <laughs> to let it happen, grab the clips if I needed to read the footnotes and go, um, broke it today. Had to listen to this BS that happened. Um, that was my biggest one. Um, try to listen a little bit more outside my bubble too. Was, mm-hmm. Those are the thing. Um, those are the two things. I, I think those are both solid and uh, trying not to hang on everything Trump says is probably really good for your mental health overall. So I, I just don't... want to hear it live. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great move. Uh, How about you? I too will try to get more outside of my bubble and you know continue to speak with people that have differing viewpoints. I, I do want to resolve to also get more involved in politics in general. Um, we obviously, we, we do the show. Uh, I try to donate where I can to causes and politicians I believe in. Uh, but there's been a lot of things like marches that I haven't gotten to participate in. I had other things going on. But they're I'm, right in the city. We can yeah, be right there. I'm going to resolve to be more politically, physically active in 2020. I'm in. All right. So let's close our episode with some uh, uplifting news. All right. Number one on our list, we've got... Uh, a common topic from our uplifting news. Weed is legal in another state. Hey, <laughs> Illinois. Is now legal in Illinois. And not only that, but the Illinois governor pardoned thousands of marijuana convictions. That's the most important part of this. Yes. That, because legalizing it recreationally means nothing unless you're expunging the records of people that are in jail for these minor crimes of possession. So good on you, Illinois. Um... Really looking forward to Jersey finally getting their act together and passing that. $2.8 billion is what I saw. Was it going to be their projection for 2020? In uh, uh, what, tax revenue? Yeah. Jeez, wow. So everybody wins. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little stat I stumbled upon that I want to share with our listeners that, you know, U.S. cancer deaths dropped uh, their largest year over year. Yeah, 2.2% uh, due to advances in medicine. That's, I think, great news. Not only that, but if you go all the way back to 1991, they're down 29%. And if you drill down further, um, pediatric deaths are down almost 50%. Pediatric cancers are down uh, with a lot of blood cancers for children. Incredibly huge. And shout out to all those hospitals that do it for free, um, that are backed by supporters and donations. um, Because, you know, cancer sucks, but nothing worse than cancer babies yeah, yeah absolutely so that's i found that to be very uplifting and a sign of you know progress so <laughs> hope you all do too in this uh 
very fuck m- cancer messy messy start to 2020 there are some good things going on fuck war and <laughs> fuck cancer yeah that? that's a pretty solid stance i can get behind <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening this week. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. Check out our website for our links to our footnotes that we referenced during the episode, www.drinkingliberallypod.com. And uh, rate and review us wherever you're listening. We really appreciate everyone that's done so already. Looking to uh, expand our following in the new year. We're going to have plenty of uh, big things coming up. Um, getting some good guests lined up for this year. And uh, looking forward to another another year of potting with you, Jeff. We missed you guys. Salute. Talk to you all next week. Cheers.